We are delighted to be here. This is my wife, Bernice. We've been married for a long time. I guess it's 47 years next year. Wow. And then this is our... Gra- I'm sorry, I'm, I, I, in the email I said she was our niece. Uh, Grace is um, from New South Wales, studying at Canterbury University. Her mom and dad are pastors of Batemans Bay in, um, in New South Wales. Uh, we are delighted to be here. Um, these are strange days that we're living in. But hey, we, we're all getting by. Uh, thank God we live in Adelaide. I mean, to be honest, would you rather live anywhere else? Uh, would you like to be in New York right now? Um, what about London? Or, or how about um, Bombay? Anybody like to be in Mumbai? You know, so is he coming back? Is he, is he okay? Okay. I'm just getting you used to my voice and uh, me used to you. I want to ask you a question today. And the question is, have you met the master? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? Have you met the master? I'm not asking you, do you read the Bible or have you read his words? Have you met the master? I'm not saying to you, you know, uh, do you consider yourself a Christian or a good person? Have you met the master? I recall reading of a lady who was given as a Christmas present a secular book, which when she read, she said she found it very confusing and difficult to understand. Sometime later, she met the author of the book and decided that she would reread the book And she said, having met the author, now I understand the book better. Have you met the master? The Gospel of John is unique. It contains unique people. It contains unique words of Jesus. And it contains some unique miracles. In fact, there are seven pre-Calvary miracles in John's Gospel. Let me pause and say that uh, John records numerous occasions when Jesus healed everybody. In fact, you may remember Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, we know you come from God because of the miracles that you do, even though at that stage you'd only done one recorded miracle. So uh, John John chooses miracles, and these miracles actually uh, describe how Jesus is the master. When Jesus turns water to wine, he's the master over quality. When he feeds the multitude, he's the master over quantity. When he healed the man at the pool, 38 years sick, uh, shows that Jesus is the master over time. When he healed the man who was born blind, born blind, It shows that he was the master over, uh, oh, thank you, Um, faith or injustice. When Jesus turned or raised Lazarus from the dead, he's the master over death. When he uh, calmed the waters, walked on the water, he's the master over natural laws. But the other miracle that John records is the story about the nobleman's son, the royal official's son. 
And this is John chapter 4. And this is going to be interesting to see what happens when I press the button. Uh, There we go. This is John chapter 4 and verse 46. And this is what it says. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Let me talk to you about the geography. We're in Galilee. That's the northern region of Israel. And there are two towns mentioned, Cana and Capernaum. Capernaum was the small town, a fishing village, on the northern edge of the Lake of Galilee. And uh, Jesus was uh, living during his boyhood and uh, childhood. He lived in Nazareth, 40 kilometers south. On the road between uh, Nazareth and Capernaum is this town called Cana, about 10k north of Nazareth, which means it was 30k from, um, from Capernaum. I should have checked on Google. Where's 30 kilometers from here? Would that be Adelaide? Okay, so, so Capernaum to Cana is Mount Barker to Adelaide. Now, let's talk a little bit about society because this man was a royal official. There were religious groups in Israel, namely the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But the political side, the social side, uh, it was headed up by a Herodian group. Uh, We would call them, you know, liberals or labors or greens. Uh, These Herodian people uh, were followers and supporters of King Herod. This man might have actually been related to King Herod. He was certainly part of the uh, royal court. But this prominent man in the community had a problem. And the problem was that his son was sick. How far away was he? 30K. What was he sick with? Well, we'll discover later that he was sick with a fever, a malarial type fever. So this this, uh, prominent man has a problem. Verse 47, when this man heard Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. Everybody say, he went to him. What's important about that? Well, usually the greater expects the lesser to come to him. Do you understand that? The guy's a royal official. Jesus is the son of a carpenter. You would expect that the carpenter would visit the, the local mayor. Do you understand that? But this man has a problem, a serious problem, and he goes to Jesus. You could easily ask the question, what is an important official going to this new prophet? What's this man from Capernaum looking, uh, looking out for somebody from Nazareth? This Herodian looking for a Galilean? I mean, uh, what's going on? And it says that uh, when he heard that he went to him and he begged him. Oh, that, that's a really strong word. The guy is pleading. Can you, can you sense the desperation? Can you sense the urgency in the man? He is begging Jesus to come and heal his sick, heal his son. And look what it says, he's close to death. I mean, this is an urgency. It's a 30-kilometer distance. Now, you've probably run 30 kilometers. Uh, so, so is, is that funny, is it? So, so, so how long does it take you to run 30K? Uh, about 
Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Three days. Okay. Well, uh, these are unpaved roads. He can't travel at night. It's not safe. So it's probably at least an eight-hour walk, maybe 10 hours to, to make the distance. And the, the boy's dying. He's thinking to himself, I left yesterday because we actually know the time when he spoke to Jesus. It was 1 a.m., so it, 1 p.m., sorry. And so he must have left the previous day. And when he left the previous day, his boy was close to death. He might even be dead now. Can you get the urgency? Can you hear in the, Jesus, will you come? The answer Jesus gives is almost discouraging, even though there is nothing discouraging in God. Do you remember when Mary said to his mother, said to Jesus, they've run out of wine, and he said, what's that got to do with me? Whenever we get a no from God, it's not no, it's come a little closer. Why don't you develop your faith a little bit more? Here's the strange answer Jesus gave. And he's speaking, by the way, in the plural, not the singular. He's not just speaking to the royal official. He's speaking to the crowd. And he says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told, you will never believe. Now, that's what it's all about. It's all about believing. And our faith is not meant to be in signs and wonders, but to be in the Lord and his word. Oh, now, now, if Jesus is provoking the man for faith, look at what the guy then says. The royal official says, Sir, come down before my child dies. Up until this point, he's called him his son. Now we know how old the boy was. He was uh, no more than seven years of age. And he's saying, my little boy, can you hear the pathos there? Can you feel the father's heart? My my little boy, he's too young to die. He's only just begun to live. Oh, doesn't matter how discouraged you, the answer might have seemed that you've given. Sir, come down before my child dies. Can you feel the desperation? Well, (laughs) he said, I want you to come. What does Jesus say? Go. He says exactly the other. I'm not coming with you. But then he says, your son will live. Doesn't matter the problem with the disease. Doesn't matter the distance. Doesn't matter the delay. All those sort of things mean nothing at all. Your son will live. And look what it says. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The word of Jesus always defeats disappointment and discouragement. The word of Jesus always defeats anxiety and concern. And if you've come here today, maybe discouraged in your heart and maybe your faith is being challenged, I want to say to you, that your son will live, your dream will live, the plans of God for your life will be fulfilled. And when you abandon anxiety and choose to believe God, miracles happen. Sometimes I I do self-talk. Sometimes I stand in front of the mirror and I say, I'm thin. Your mother got a nervous laugh or something. Okay. Uh, 
some, uh, what I do do uh, is I say, Jeremy, have faith in God. Yeah. I actually speak to my soul. Do you remember David actually said that? He said, soul, why are you discouraged? Yeah. Hope in God. Yeah. So I say to myself, Jeremy, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Yeah. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, how far was it? 30 kilometers. It's at least eight hours. While he's on the way, his servants met him. I mean, I, I can imagine that as he's walking home to Capernaum, he can see the servants coming to, wow, what, what goes through his mind? Good news, bad news. Yeah. The, the human heart always tends to be negative. Is that true? Most of us always think that the worst is going to happen. But remember, he took Jesus at his word and, and went home. And uh, while he was th with the news, the boy was living. So when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at 1 p.m., the fever left him. The interesting word left. It means as a marriage is divorced, and one partner leaves. The boy had a fever. But when Jesus spoke the word, that fever's legal right to him was broken. And the fever was divorced from him. It means to fire an arrow. When Jesus spoke the word, the fever fled as an arrow is fired from a bow. The word means as a boat is loose from its moorings and slips away from the jetty. The fever's grip on the boy's life was gone when Jesus spoke. The fever left. And it took place at one o'clock. Then the father realized that this was the, everybody say, exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household, here's this key word, believed. Let me talk to you for a moment about the word household. The Greek word is oikos, O-I-K-O-S. If any of you are Greek, uh, that's my expression of how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's oikos or if it's oikos. Um, <laughs> I like your laugh. It's, it's very good. It really is. So uh, your daughter's got a slightly different laugh. So, so let me talk to you about what an oikos was. It was all your family, your parents, your siblings, your children, your nephews, your nieces, the whole connected family by blood. But it also referred to anybody that was in your employ, anybody who worked for you, were in your household and any slaves that you owned. Now, that might sound foreign to us, but uh, something like 60% of the Roman Empire were actually slaves. So uh, not only was it your family and your servants and your slaves, but your immediate neighbors and any business contacts, they were all your household. So it's maybe 60 to 70 people. Now, this guy's a prominent person. He's the royal official in the area. You know, he would have had a large family. He would have had an extended number of servants and slaves and lots of business connections. 
And when they all heard what had happened, what, ha- what, what occurs? They all believed. I-, I want you to raise your right hand right now. We're going to ask God. Lord, in 2021, we pray that, in, that at Infused Church, you will add whole households of people to this fellowship. Lord, we are praying this. Lord, you are big enough to add a family, a household a month in 2021. And Lord, we we thank you that these days we're in now are passing, that the future's better than our history, and we're believing you. And so I speak this over this church, that in 2021 there will be notable households added to this church. And we accept them, Lord. We accept them as families. We accept singles. We accept people, Lord, that have been, uh, you know, separated in life or whatever. And we, we pray that the hurting in this community will find a home here. You care for the widow. You care for the orphan. May this be a refuge in the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Last verse. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Uh, the second miraculous sign. When the, word you, when the Bible uses the word sign, it means signpost. So the miracles that Jesus did were actually signposts to who he is. Yeah. Do you understand that? Yeah. This is what it is. I, I now feel really bad because I should be following my notes and I've just been making it up as I've gone along. So here we go. Let's, let's talk about this for a few moments. Jesus is the master over doubt. The word of Jesus is greater than every situation. My boy is dying. Your son will live. He's close to death. Your son will live. It's 30 kilometers away, Jesus. Your son will live. But he's so young, your son will live. The fever has a grip on his life, your son will live. But there's no hope, your son will live. We need to stop feeding our doubts and start feeding our faith. In fact, we should starve our doubts and feed our faith. Don't focus on the problem, focus on the Lord. We cannot deny reality. We must never play the ostrich card and bury our head in the sand and say, I have no problems. Don't deny reality. But this is the truth. Never accept what we think is reality as finality because the master can speak. And when the master speaks, doubt leaves. When you add Jesus to your equation, everything balances. He is the master over doubts. They, in 2020, they finally opened the, the interchange at the end of South Road. You know, around Flinders. Okay, there's, there's a big city down the hill called Adelaide. And, you know, the South Road, the interchange. The, the opening of the interchange w- was delayed because part of the um, retaining wall, very, very steep, slid. And they discovered that they had laid the concrete in the dry season. But underneath that area 
was a spring, a stream, an underground stream that during rainy weather filled and undermined the foundations of the, uh, of the, the concrete. Doubt is an underground stream that will erode the foundations of our faith. <laughs> That's why I say to myself, Jeremy, have faith in God. Because his words are a strong foundation. Have faith in God. Have faith in God's word. Have faith in God and speak out his words. This week, when doubt invades your heart, speak out your positive confession. My son will live. My dream will live. God's plans for my life will come to pass. Have faith in God and resist doubts. Jesus is also the master over distance. There's a problem, Jesus. My little boy is at home. It's Capernaum. This is Cana. He's 30 kilometers away. Jesus, you have to leave now. It's going to take us eight, ten hours. Jesus, you need to come now. But Jesus is the master over distance. He doesn't have to be present for his healing power to be experienced. Did you hear what I said? Because in a few moments, we're going to be praying for people who aren't present here. They might be interstate, they might be overseas, but we can pray for them. And in the name of Jesus, miracles can happen for them. Oh, Jesus, Jeremy, where is this in the Bible? Well, do you remember the, the centurion that came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick? And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, you don't need to. Because I understand who you are. I'm a man of authority. Caesar's given me authority. And I can speak and my soldier will go. And I know who you, God gave you authority. And all you need to do is speak. You don't need to come, Jesus. You just need to speak. And Jesus said, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. Your servant is healed at this hour. There was another occasion when a woman from Syrophoenicia, uh, interestingly, the centurion was a Gentile and this woman was a Gentile. She had a badly demonized girl, uh, daughter, and she comes to Jesus and she begs him, oh, come and deliver my daughter, and he ignored her. Well, if you can't go to Jesus, go to the disciples. She goes to the disciples and now she's begging and pleading, would you speak to the master? And they go to Jesus and they say, send this crazy woman away. Jesus then speaks and says, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. Wow, that's pretty rude, isn't it? One of our mission, uh, one of our mission interests is a school that we operate in Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia. And uh, on one of my visits there, I discovered that there are street dogs and there are house dogs. Nobody owns the street dogs. They roam the streets. They are scavengers. But every home has a little house dog. Usually, uh, you know, a puppy or one they'll put on their knee or in their hand. You understand the difference between a street dog and a house dog. And Jesus, the, the word in the Greek, he said this, it's not right to give the children's bread to scavengers. And the woman said, but the house dogs eat the crumbs from the table. 
She said, it's true, Jesus. I'm a Gentile dog. I don't deserve anything from you. But is there something from the children's bread, the crumbs that you can give to me? And he again said, what faith this woman has. Lady, your daughter's healed right now. So Jesus could heal from a distance and he could uh, deliver people from a distance. And here in John 4, he's 30 kilometers away from the boy, but he doesn't have to be physically present to heal or to deliver because he's the master over distance. For quite a number of years, maybe 20 years, Benice and I have had a relationship with a church in Devon in southwest England. Small town called Oakhampton. I think there's an Oakhampton. Is there an Oakhampton? No. Okay. Littlehampton. Close. So we've been there many times. The, The youth pastor and his wife are really good friends of ours. We heard 10 days ago that Melissa, that's the wife, a slip of a girl from Jamaica, I think, and she couldn't have stood up yesterday in that wind. It would have... T- we hear that she's got COVID. Not just COVID, but she's got a bacterial infection with the COVID. She's in Exeter Hospital and she is dying. Uh, they are giving her drugs to treat the uh, bacterial infection that they haven't identified and her body reacts to the drugs. And this skinny little thing, her body swells to twice its size as a reaction to the drug. What on earth do you do when we hear this news? Well, I FaceTimed him. I I prayed with Stephen and encouraged him. But that's all you can do. You know, because of COVID, you you can't visit. All you can do is is pray. On Tuesday morning, we we had a, a, a message that said, Melissa has had a total turnaround. She's been discharged from hospital And the weak is on the road to recovery. Let me encourage you. Maybe you've got friends and family who are distant. They are not distant to God because he's the master over distance. So your granny's 105. Dear me, have Brighton signed her to play on the wing. She'd be quite good. Uh, Hey, you, you can meet her in prayer at the throne of God. Let me encourage you. Maybe you've got family members that are away from the Lord. They are not away from the Lord. He's with them. And we can pray for them. And we can thank God for them for the day when they are fully restored to him. So, so let's, let's do exactly. Australia, this, this island continent, there is an expression called the tyranny of distance. Have you heard that? You know, we are used to traveling huge distances, even more so in COVID. We still can't go to WA. We could go to Victoria if we wanted to. Uh, you know, Queensland's closed the door to us. You know, big distances, long journeys. But Jesus is the master over distance. He is never in lockdown. And we can pray for people who aren't present. So why don't we do that right now? Just raise your hand again. And I want you to think of somebody that needs help from heaven. And I want you to speak out their name right now. If you've prayed for their salvation, don't ask again, thank God. 
Father, I thank you for the day my son is serving you. I thank you for the day when my daughter is restored. Don't ask, don't beg. Speak out a prayer of faith. Speak out a prayer of thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, we speak this. And Lord, for those of us that have family members who are unwell, we speak the healing name of Jesus over them. And here in 147 Hurling Drive, we speak out the name of Jesus. And that name goes to heaven, is heard in heaven, and help comes from heaven and touches the person who needs that miracle. In the, let me encourage you. Just speak out their name right now. Speak it out. Lord, I'm praying for Tepper. I'm praying, Lord, for Nanette. I'm praying for Paula. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's the master over distance. He's also the master over delay. Let's try and establish a timeline. Does anyone remember the exact moment of the time when Jesus spoke to the the royal official? 1 p.m. We discover it was the next day that he met the servants. So on the trip back, there must have been an overnight stop somewhere. He probably found Scotty's Motel, you know, on the road to wherever. So 1 p.m. he leaves. There's an overnight stop. And I would expect it would be maybe 8 or 9 a.m. the next day when eventually he meets the servants. So that is maybe 20 hours from when Jesus said, your son will live until he hears the news that the boy is well. There is always a delay between the promise and the reality of that promise. (laughs) And the human heart is so impatient. Okay. My heart is often impatient. Because I've discovered that when men of God have prophesied over me, I expect that tomorrow it's going to happen. Soon, God says, is usually about 10 years. <laughs> you know, uh, sometime later, you know, 20 years ago, oh, oh, Jeremy, you, you. Abraham was 75 when God says you're going to be a father. He's 99 when Abraham is born, Isaac's born. That's 24 years from the promise to the reality. Uh, Joseph has this dream of the the stars and the moon and the sun bowing down and the the sheaves in the field bowing down to his sheaf. And he's got this this great plan. He's got this great promise that that he's going to save the family. That happened when he was 17. It's not till he's 39 that it's fulfilled. 22 years. There is Moses, who at the age of 40, senses the call of God on his life to bring deliverance to the people of Israel and takes a sword in his hand and kills an Egyptian, then has to flee for his life, flees into the wilderness, the wild place, and spends 40 years there. And in the delay... The devil will always say, you missed the boat. You had your opportunity. It's gone. It will never happen. Never say never to God. 
Because it's a challenge to his character and it's a challenge to his ability. You'll never make it, Moses. But the promises of God will come to pass. I'm sure that God has given you promises. Hang in there. Keep believing. I'm sure that there have been prophetic words over this church over the years of its existence. I'm sure that there have been many prophetic words over this church. And some of you might say, well, where is the evidence of this? I want to declare to you that God is the master over the delay. Hang in there. Keep believing God. Never, never, not ever give up because God is standing over his promises. They will be fulfilled. He's the master over distance and delay and doubts. He's also the master over the disease. The boy was sick with a raging fever, a fiery fever, untreatable, often fatal. This is serious. The boy is dying. We know. That if a child has a fever, it's very easy for them to become dehydrated. Is this correct? And in, in developing countries, it's quite easy for that child to slip away. It's still a common cause of death in our world of medical advancements. And if it's common today, how much more then? Do you remember when Jesus healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law? What was her problem? Same problem a malarial-type fever. Do you remember when Paul was shipwrecked on Malta? The snake bit him. You remember that, that story? And the, the consul's father was sick. With what? Same thing, a malarial-type fever. But Jesus, the master over doubt and distance and delay, is also the master over disease. There are 35 listed miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. The greater majority of those are miracles of healing. When the blind could see, the deaf could hear, withered arms would be healed, cripples. You, you, know, you know the amazing miracles. But are you aware that more than 20 occasions, it says that Jesus healed everybody that was sick? When we don't know who they were, we don't know their names, we don't know the nature of their illness, but all we know is that Jesus is the master over disease. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. Yesterday, during his ministry, the healing power of Jesus touched so many. And that's God is the same today. So let me tell you, let me pause for a moment and tell you that what my own eyes have seen, in fact, not only my eyes, but your eyes and your mother's eyes. This took place in Rockhampton in 1984. I was preaching in a church. On the Saturday, we had done a church growth seminar. I was encouraging them, exactly what I encouraged you a few minutes ago about praying for a family. Their church numbered about 100, but in the previous year, they had not seen one person converted. 
And so we, we, we believed. We, we started to declare, let's believe for one family a month. And there was great prayer and great unity and great excitement. That was Saturday. And on Sunday morning, church, there's nobody new. And you could actually feel the, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere, disappointment. In those days, we used to have two services on Sunday. This was morning and evening, and they were different. So, so, so that night at six, there's a new family. There's mom and dad and two kids, and everybody's excited. And when I preached, uh, at the end, I made an altar call, uh, offering, and, and, you know, for salvation, and mom and dad put their hands up. Well, that's like the fish on the line. you got to get him in the boat. So, so, so we get them to come to the front. And uh, I, I pray the sinner's prayer. And as, you know, open your life to Christ, the woman screamed out, fell on the floor, and rolled around. Ask me how I felt, Gary. I was terrified. <laughs> I'm a, whoa. So we prayed for her. Am I, is this any exaggeration? You were there. So... Why am I telling this? Okay. Well, this is not the story. You should have said stop. Anyway, we prayed for her and she got up totally freed. The pastor's wife said to me at supper, I know, Pastor Jeremy, we prayed for people to be added, but can't God send us nice people? (laughs) It's the sick who need a doctor. Anyway, at that same meeting, we then prayed for the sick. And a little 10, 11-year-old girl came forward. Her name is Robin. She said, I said, what's the problem, Robin? She said, I was born with my right arm. The muscles had atrophied at birth. And, uh, and uh, I have, you know, and it's shorter. Now, in those days, there were preachers who went around lengthening legs. Were you ever in one of those? Very int- anyway. Anyway, so I prayed for her, and I said, Robin, stretch forth your arm. She did. That surprised me. So I I thought, well, you you know, you can, it's not difficult to do, is it? So I said to the mother, um, she said, she's never been able to turn her hand over. She would always have to use the other hand to move her arm. The girl is doing this. Ten years later, we started a Bible college, an extension of Bible college in Ipswich. There was about a dozen students. This woman came to me, a young woman. She said to me, do you remember me? I said, "Um, of course. (laughs) She said, it's Robin from Rockhampton. I said, how's your hand? She said, it's still perfectly well. I saw that with my own eyes. Do you remember the Saturday night in Toowoomba when Steve Simpson, sitting about where you're sitting, Young man about 25 years of age, injured his, injured his spine in a, in a road accident and uh, had been uh, put on uh, pension, you know, the, the disability allowance. We've got a preacher from Malaysia who Steve stands up for prayer for his back and, and the preacher from Malaysia starts walking towards him and as he does, Steve starts backing off and as he backs off, he stumbles and falls on a concrete floor with a thud immediately says my back my back I thought what is the phone number of the solicitor I I need you know this this is this is gonna be expensive he says my back he's healed my back 
And he started running around the room, big, big auditorium. And he's saying to people, he's healed my back. He's healed my back. That took place around about 1990. That man is still healed today. He's an ACC pastor. Saw that with my own eyes. What about that lady at the Marian church that we had? uh, Margaret Hall. Margaret Hall's a Scots lady. And her mother had died of bowel cancer. And her older sister had died of bowel cancer. And uh, Margaret has had some, had had some problems, you know, in that area. The doctor says, you need to see a specialist. The specialist says there is a seven centimetre growth in your lower bowel. This was Thursday. They scheduled her for surgery at Flinders on the Monday. Thursday night was a prayer night at the church. So her husband, Ross, rang me up and said, I'm going to bring Margaret. Can, you, can, you, can the church pray? We prayed for Margaret that night. It would be nice to say the power of God fell and whatever, but we just prayed for her. And on Monday morning, the specialist uh, said, we're going to uh, tattoo a mark where the cholesterol bag will go, and we will just take another scan on where the, the specific location of the, of the, of the cancer He then said to her, Mrs. Hall, you are extremely lucky because there is no trace of the cancer. The cancer I saw on Wednesday or Thursday has gone. We saw this with our own eyes. Now, now, uh, let me tell you a story that you didn't see because I I had a, a, a friend my age when I was 11 years old. His name was Peter Hughes. And Peter had been born with one straight eye and the other eye was terribly, uh, what would you call it, um, crossed. It wasn't crossed. It was, it was the opposite of crossed. It was, it was, <laughs> this is how he walked. He would, he would never look at you because of the, what he considered the shame of, uh, of, uh, of, the, of something that he was born with. And on a Saturday night in my dad's church in Birmingham, England, on a wooden pew, Peter was sitting with his mom, like back there, and my brother was sitting where you were sitting, and the, the evangelist came down and prayed for Peter, and his mother immediately screams, his eyes, his eyes. And Peter's eyes were perfectly straight. My brother said on a wooden bench, don't, I, can't, I can't explain this, he said he felt electricity running up and down the bench. Hey, I've seen these things with my own eyes because Jesus is the master of disease. That's the Jesus we believe in. And I guess I could stop right now and say, what miracles have you seen with your eyes? And if you think about it, you will remember. Yeah, I do remember. I remember when your mother, as a four or five-year-old girl, had a cyst on her eyelid. And every night she would say, Daddy, pray for my eye. That went for about five or six weeks until it had gone. Well, I don't know where it had gone. But it made a great difference in a five-year-old's life. That God answers prayer. And I think, is there anybody here that could say, yeah, Jeremy, i got stories like that. I've seen things with my eyes. That's the Jesus that we believe in. Here is the truth. The master over doubt and delay and distance is also the answer 
the master over disease. This is what I say. I frequently put my hand on my chest and declare the healing power of Jesus is filling me now. Why don't we try that? Why don't you put your hand over your heart? The healing power of Jesus is filling me now. The healing power of Jesus is filling me now. We speak the name of Jesus over each other. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, Lord, here we are. Today we determine that we will overthrow doubt in our lives. We will take Jesus at his word. We will shake off the doubts and we'll speak to ourselves and say, Jeremy, have faith in God. We will ditch doubt and embrace faith. And we will continue to pray for people who are not present. We'll pray for people who are distant. We'll speak your word over them, whether it's interstate, overseas. Lord, thank you, thank you for their healing. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your blessing. And Lord, we thank you for the promises that you've given us. And even though we are in the delay, your plans will be fulfilled and your prophecies will come to pass. Lord, I will not fret. I will not fret. I will not force the promises to be fulfilled. I rest in you. Amen.